I'm Brittany Gallagher, reporting to you on digital culture for Digital Village. Water. We wouldn't be here without it. It's one of Earth's most precious resources. Yet, two-thirds of the world's population currently live in areas that experience water scarcity for at least one month a year. There are technologies that exist to augment currently available freshwater resources, including things like desalinization and wastewater treatment, but these approaches are environmentally destructive and expensive. What if there was another way? Like making water out of air. Enter David Hertz, architect and founder of SkySource, the winner of the Water Abundance X Prize. And he was able to figure out how to do just that, using 100% renewable energy sources for under two cents per liter. They started with Skywater, which was able to take water out of the air, but it required a lot of humidity. What they won the prize for was WeDo, Wood to Energy Deployable Emergency Water, which is essentially a rainforest in a box. But more on that in a minute. First, what brought David to SkySource? I've been an architect for the last 35 years. I've been very interested in the notion of buildings giving back more than they take and this idea of a regenerative architecture. Buildings are the number one global greenhouse emitter. And I've had to rationalize my place first as an environmentalist, but also interested in architecture. So how do you stay within the most polluting industry and try to minimize its impact? And so that's how I got interested in water was being aware of what we take, make, and waste about the finite resources that we have and about how to lessen the impacts that the build environment has on the natural. Could you talk a little bit about the founding of SkySource? SkySource, I co-founded with my wife, Laura Doss, a photographer, to address the impending and current world water crisis and uh, being very aware of the water crisis around the world. Um, and of course, being in California where we've had an eight-year sustained drought, we were acutely aware of water scarcity issues. And the fact that we import water in California from almost a thousand miles away, the length of California, about 18% of California's energy budget is water but also looking at water scarcity issues around the world. I mean, the United Nations projects that within 10 to 12 years, we're going to be facing extreme water scarcity, about two-thirds of the planet. Demand is going to outstrip supply by over 40%. So these are serious issues that we're trying to stay in front of technologically. First, you created Skywater. What does that machine do? So basically, it acts to extract humidity out of the air. When one looks at the planet, we have less than 1% of the water on the planet is fresh water. It's unevenly distributed geographically around the planet. But if you look at vapor, water vapor in the air, it's six times all the rivers combined on the planet at any given time that can be condensed. Since all the water on the planet is the same water, it just changes from salt water to frozen water to vapor. This is a kind of model that comes from abundance in the way in which we could start to harness the atmosphere for its abundant, pure water. And so it's basically a collision of heat and cold, much like a 
cold glass of ice water in a warm room, you get condensation. We're actually mimicking natural processes that occur in the hydrological cycle. So it's biomimetic in that it mimics nature in the way in which we are able to condense water vapor. And that's all that clouds do. The clouds will be, say, evaporate from the ocean or for evapotranspiration from plants. They will accumulate high moisture content. It will attach itself as a kind of aerosol to particulate. And those nuclei will attract the water vapor and then they'll drop out of the sky. And that's all that we do inside of a machine that collides heat against cold within an atmosphere and then that condenses and we get pure water out of the sky. What's the energy cost for something like that? So one of the problems in the past has been that these processes use what's referred to as the vapor compression cycle. That's what a normal air conditioner uses. To get the air cold enough, you use a refrigerant and you compress that And it constantly turns from a vapor to a liquid. And in doing so, it has a phase change property. But it can create very, very cold temperatures. It requires a lot of energy on the compressor side to do that. And that's been one of the limitations of that water generation is the energy side. As well, one needs to have the right climate to really extract high volumes amount of water. So it needs to be hot and humid or warm and humid, ideally. What was the Water Abundance X Prize? The Water Abundance X Prize was created over two years ago, and it was a call to give a period of 24 months for anyone in the world to make 2,000 liters of water from air at a cost of less than two cents per liter using 100% renewable energy. 98 teams from 27 countries competed, and SkySource was the only one that was able to to actually achieve that. And we did that in an innovative way by really pairing with an innovative renewable energy source. Could you talk specifically about how you were able to solve the energy issue and, and how we do came to be? So confronting this global challenge for making atmospheric water in high volumes at low energy using renewable energy... We research many different energy sources, and of course, things like solar and wind come to mind. But to create that kind of volume of water, we needed much more energy, and we couldn't make the cost work with solar because you only have five hours of light. You would need five times roughly the amount of solar to get the amount of wattage needed, and then you'd have to store it in batteries, and so then your budget is blown. So we are working with a biomass gasifier, And that is basically a somewhat primitive device that was used in World War II, especially by the Germans and many European countries when there was not liquid fuel. And that's it's not a product of combustion as much as it's a product of vaporization at high temperature called pyrolysis. And pyrolysis takes apart the constituent molecules and elements that are, say, contained within organic matter like wood chips. Let's just say you have a tree. That tree absorbs CO2, and it holds that CO2. It also contains a tremendous amount of moisture within it. It takes years for a tree to dry out. It also has hydrogen and methane. And so the, the pyrolysis process, in a very small footprint, the footprint in terms of energy density is equal to one solar panel at one-tenth the cost, essentially vaporizes those constituent elements of organic matter into 
those volatiles like the methane and hydrogen, which then go into an engine and drive an engine called the genset to make mass amounts of power. But what's also happening is that in the process, it's, it is sequestering atmospheric CO2 and putting it into the byproduct called high-temperature biochar. And the biochar is just a charcoal that's the residual of this process, but all of the CO2, or at least a majority of it, is sequestered into that biochar. That biochar is then has well-documented beneficial properties as a soil enhancement. So what we have is what's referred to as a carbon-negative technology. That is that we're we're actually sequestering carbon. It's part of a decarbonization strategy that, frankly, we're going to need because we are, as a human race, generating more carbon than the planet can absorb. So any technologies that we come up with ideally will help to offset the atmospheric CO2 that's leading to such radical climate change. So it's actually taking additional carbon out of the atmosphere to do this? We are taking carbon out of the atmosphere and putting it into the ground, but we're not just putting it in the ground to store it. It's a useful and beneficial product. So what we're doing is, as I mentioned, we're mimicking natural processes, and we're having results that are multiple positive feedbacks. So that if we're using organic matter, which is abundant, let's say in California, there's over a million three hundred thousand trees that have died because the beetle killed due to the drought stress that are all going to be liberating methane and uh, CO2 into greenhouse gases. Meanwhile, we have a need for energy, but if we use coal or other forms of energy, we're creating more CO2. But if we're absorbing CO2, then we're helping to lessen the impacts. We're creating power and we're creating a beneficial soil enhancer that's creating more decomposition and there are multiple feedback. Now, what we get is a mobile deployable energy solution in a very small footprint with uh, the ability to create water and solve two of the most significant issues facing the limits of atmospheric water generation. One, it's high appetite for energy, no longer a problem. We can make a lot of energy in a small footprint. Two, we don't need the environment of heat and humidity because although many places on the planet where there's water scarcity or water quality issues are also hot and humid there are many places that are not and so one of the innovations that i came up with was how to marry the excess heat from the biomass gasification process with the atmospheric water process and in simplistic terms essentially creating a tropical rainforest in a box to create clouds in a box, and then to condense them for water. Could you talk about just the process as a whole from start to finish, how it would work? We envision this device called a WEDU, D-E-W. It stands for Wood to Energy Deployed Emergency Water. And basically what it is is it fits inside of a 20-foot intermodal shipping container. On one end is a biomass gasifier that's roughly like a four-foot cube. In the middle, there's a, a large box that recycles the heat that comes off of the biomass gasifier to dry the feedstock that goes into the gasifier. And then we draw off of that tropical rainforest, essentially, that incredibly hot and humid environment, into the uh, atmospheric water generators. 
our goal and what we were able to do in part with the XPRIZE is we were able to actually eliminate the electrical component and the high energy component by just creating a high heat environment and colliding that with a cool environment. So that's part of what we're continuing to to expand on. But the idea is that essentially this we do can be dropped anywhere. It's deployable energy and water. It creates a microgrid. It can power a small community or a building. It can provide water. And one of its byproducts is that we can provide heat and, and also cooling. So one could imagine this being employed as a self-reliance device, your own personal energy and water appliance, if you will, that can be great for rural situations that are off the grid, but also a climate resilient strategy. As we have more and more record-breaking extreme weather events, more hurricanes, more fires, etc., we're going to need more resilience And that is that we'll need more ability to be able to create our own electricity and our own water at point of use. And then ultimately for disaster relief. We're really interested in this notion about the democratization of water as our common good, not the commodification of it by corporations and sold to us, say, in plastic water bottles at great energy costs. And the idea following solar, if you can just take light and convert it into electricity on your own roof and not have a coal-fired utility plant five states away and transfer it. That's an old model. Similarly, transporting water long distances has an incredible high energy footprint. Subsequently, the idea of a distributed water system where people have autonomy over their own water supply, I think is a very compelling notion because infrastructure we've learned is certainly vulnerable. A lot of our infrastructure is old. It's going to require mass amounts of money and it's very vulnerable. Take South Africa. I mean, you know, water issues, slow moving government that can't be nimble enough to stay ahead of the problem. Take the vulnerability of Puerto Rico, where, you know, one hurricane wipes out the entire grid. These are centralized systems that are vulnerable. And so having redundancy in multiple systems and having systems that can be rapidly deployed to address crisis, I think is something that we're going to need more of in the future. The International Panel of Climate Scientists came out recently with a 12-year projection. We basically have 12 years to avert what, in their terms, was ecological genocide due to the incredibly fast pace in which CO2 is building up in our atmosphere. So I wanted to emphasize that we need to not challenge science. This is a race for our species, and other animals are rapidly being threatened, and we're going to need strategies that that help to decarbonize and create climate resilience for certainly a, a much more dramatic and uncertain future within a short period of time. That was David Hertz, winner of the Water Abundance X Prize, founder of SkySource, and creator of WeDo, the rainforest in a box that can create water from air using 100% renewable energy at less than two cents per liter. They're moving into the production phase of WeDo now and hoping to have this deployable at the end of the year. You can find out more at skysource.org. According to the United Nations, water scarcity already affects every continent. 
Water use has been growing globally at more than twice the rate of the population increase in the last century, and an increasing number of regions are reaching the limit at which water services can be sustainably delivered, especially in arid regions. It's really exciting to see technologies that are not only working towards solving the water crisis, but also are cost-effective and good for the environment. That's it for this week's edition of Digital Culture. I'm Brittany Gallagher. You can find out more on our website at digitalculture.la or follow me on Twitter at In a Quantum World. Bye.